Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to the show. So glad to be back with you again today. And we're going to take a look at how we can consistently raise funds throughout every given year with good stewardship. With us today is Andrew Davis, who serves as the Director of Investor Relations at PassiveInvesting.com, a real estate private equity group with a portfolio value of over $1 billion across 5,000 plus units and multiple asset classes. Andrew, take us into the show and share an experience that helped you to be who you are today. Yeah, well, thank you, Alan, so much for having me today and really just glad to be here. You know, I think I think two come to mind and I'll keep them concise. One was was more of a consistent experience I had through my upbringing or childhood. And then I got to spend a lot of time with my paternal grandparents and um, they had a tremendous amount of impact on me and my grandfather, especially who was just very serious about his, his Christian faith and really lived that out in, in a, in a, just a really wonderful way in terms of how he treated people and how he spent his time and his money. And I just distinctly remember his, when he passed when I was 14 years old and just his funeral and the number of people that he had an impact on. And uh, that was always just, uh, that just stuck with me. And I think it, it made me kind of an old soul in the sense that I spent a lot of time with him growing up. And so I just learned to kind of be interested in different things and value different things and saw a life that I aspired to. And then I think beyond that or, or, or concurrently with that, I think my parents I had a lot of wisdom and allowed me to do some international missions trips in my middle school and high school years. And so I got to travel to uh, to Mexico and, and also some domestic ones as well to just really poor parts of our country. But just remember, I believe it was when I was in seventh grade, so about 13, 14 years old or 12, whatever it was. Anyways, but just going and spending a week in an orphanage in Mexico. And um, that experience really changed me. It just made me very, very appreciative for what we have and what I have and very, very aware that things and success as uh, as our world would define it do not uh, equal happiness or joy. And I was struck by both the people that worked there and the kids that were there, just how much uh, how much joy and happiness they had with uh, with a very very little. So I think those are two very formative experiences for me uh, as I was as I was growing up and have have informed who I am today. Andrew, thanks for sharing that with us. Interesting background there. Take us into real estate and tell us about. The importance of picking the right sponsor and how do we go about that? Yeah, uh, very, very important question. I'd say it's, I'd say it's an especially important question right now. And the reason I say that is because we're probably all familiar with the a rising tide uh, lifts all boats or ships, whatever the expression is. And we've been in a rising tide real estate market for, well, really for the last 10 plus years and uh, specifically in commercial real estate, there's been a tremendous run up over the last five, five or so plus years. And there's also been a significant increase in interest from what what uh, what, would tra- what would be called traditional or, or retail investors wanting to be invested in, in private equity real estate and rightfully so. So the importance of picking a good sponsor is that you can't purely look at their track record. And the reason I say that is because you'd have to be, in, in my opinion, you'd have to be pretty darn incompetent to not have done uh, pretty well over these last five years because of what's happened 
in the marketplace with the demand on the renter side, the institutional investment demand, and with the supply issues that have been there. And so picking a good sponsor, you know, really when you think about that as, as an LP or as a passive investor, when you're investing 50 or $100,000, whatever it may be, you're investing your money with someone. Now, yes, it's going to be in a project or in a fund with a strategy, but no matter how great the strategy is or or uh, how good it looks on paper, at the end of the day, there's going to be people executing that strategy and people stewarding that asset. And so picking the right sponsor is, uh, is of paramount importance. And what I encourage people to do is spend more time on who they are and their background and, and really get a sense of who they are. You know, if they have, if they have a crazy strategy, then, then obviously that's not, that's a, that's a pretty good big, big red flag to begin with. But once you're bought in on their strategy, uh, then it's really going to be selecting who you think is going to be the best steward of your capital and, and the best steward of that asset, especially in what potentially could be uh, and already is in many ways a more challenging market. Andrew, what is dollar cost averaging like through this particular market? Yeah, great question. So dollar cost averaging for, for I'm sure most people are familiar, but it just basically refers to an investing philosophy generally in public markets or stock market investing, which basically try to time the market. So you don't try to sell high and buy low unless you're a highly sophisticated investor. And even then, uh, it doesn't work. So the idea of being just consistently investing in good companies or in good assets like real estate over time is going to be the very best strategy. And what we see right now in this marketplace is a more competition for deals. We see a changing debt market, right? So you've got interest rates that are higher than they have been in many years and lenders that are a little bit more squirrely. And so you're getting lower loan to value on your assets. And what that creates is a higher cost of capital to acquire those assets. And then that, of course, reduces the returns that uh, sponsors are able to offer to investors. And so I think the temptation for any investor is to go, oh, well, these returns aren't as good as they were two years ago or Maybe we're entering into a recession, so I'm going to pull back. And and I think that's unwise. And and uh, not just I, but the biggest and smartest and most well-informed investors in the space, I think so too. And, and that BlackRock just released their kind of recent you know, updated allocation. They revealed that they increased their allocation in real estate by 54%. And so now um, BlackRock's the biggest private equity firm in the world or one of them, I'm pretty sure they're the biggest. They have $324 billion allocated to real estate in you know what, what some people might call a bad or a recessionary market. So what that tells you is that they are, that they are bidding big on real estate, but it's a very, very well-informed bet. And so really as an individual investor, I think it's very, very wise to just look at what the best are doing and what philosophies and, and methodologies they've followed over a long period of time. So dollar cost averaging just basically means keep investing. Even if you know cash flows look lower or the returns aren't as good as what was pro forma a couple of years ago, uh, what is pro forma and what actually may occur could be very different things. I mean, that can be positive or that could be negative, but um, dollar cost averaging through up and down market cycles in real estate is a is a, is a pretty darn tried and true way to grow wealth. And that certainly, Andrew, is one of the good things about real estate. It generally is, it performs counter to the stock market. So it is a wonderful way to diversify portfolios, if nothing else. But what is it that about that is so expensive about the cost of doing nothing, particularly real estate investing? That's a great question. So uh, and that's that's the cost of doing nothing is expensive and it's especially expensive right now uh, in an inflationary environment where we're experiencing 
close to double digit inflation, depending on what, uh, where you, where you spend your money. So I think right now, if you say to use easy numbers, take a hundred thousand dollars. And if you're looking at the most recent deal that our group put out five to 7% cash on cash returns over a five year hold period, you know, mid teens internal rate of return, get tax benefits. So say over a five year old period, if that deal performs as pro forma, that money, that hundred thousand dollars should roughly double over a five year time period. Whereas if you decided to stay back and can leave that in your savings account or in the mattress, wherever it may be, not only is that hundred thousand dollars not earning or growing, but it's also hemorrhaging at right now, somewhere between eight, seven, eight, nine percent a year. And so it, it's, you know, you, you mentioned stewardship at the very beginning. Uh, of this of this episode, and I think that not wisely investing is very poor poor stewardship. Andrew, you've got a lot to offer our viewers and listeners. How is it that we can get in touch with you to take advantage of that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, probably the easiest way is just Andrew at passiveinvesting.com. You can email me, or you can just go to passiveinvesting.com. I'm in the upper right hand corner. Uh, if you're not already, you'll see a link that says join the Passive Investor Club. And again, that's a, just a way to become aware of what our group is doing and what investment opportunities that we're offering. And then from there, you will be prompted to set up a call with myself or somebody from my team that will introduce our group to you, get to know you and your investment goals talk about upcoming opportunities, answer any questions you have, really be your point of contact uh, for uh, for investment with us going forward. Andrew, just give us a little bit of information and background in terms of what your company is and what it does. Yeah, absolutely. So PassiveInvesting.com, we are a private equity real estate company. And what we do is invest in recession-resistant institution quality assets in strong markets. And so uh, we started in 2018. We have three principals, Dan Hanford, Danny Randazzo, and Brandon Abbott, each one of them significant background in business operations, financial analysis, real estate. So a very complementary skill set between the leadership and then many of our key employees, myself included, our director of asset management, acquisitions, et cetera, have been investing in or working in real estate for many, many years. So since 2018, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, we've acquired uh, over a billion dollars in real estate. We have over a billion dollars in assets under management right now. About 2,000 passive investors that are invested with us, and about 70% of those are repeat investors, so are in multiple deals with us. And um, what we've done in that time frame really started strong multifamily, and that continues to be a big chunk of our portfolio and will be. But we always had our sights on diversifying into other asset classes that would provide uh, potentially greater yields as we saw the writing on the wall with multifamily returns compressing and more competition in that asset class. And so we have now, in addition to our multifamily portfolio, we have a self-storage portfolio, we have a car wash portfolio, and we also have a hotel portfolio that we're growing as well. And so, you know, if you were to look at those from a traditional investment perspective, multifamily and self-storage are very kind of counter-cyclical, right? So if the economy's storage, especially if the economy's doing this, Self-storage is just, you know, very, very stable. And so the right same thing with multifamily. So those would definitely be the more conservative investments. Car washes, hotels, um, hotels specifically, obviously a little bit more volatility there, but we've identified some opportunities to get in at a really good basis coming off of poor COVID performance in the hospitality sector. So coming in where there's been some deferred maintenance, where we've got some tired owner operators and really able to buy those at a very good valuation and, and really capitalize on kind of travel coming back. And then with car washes, car washes is an amazing opportunity and it's something we've looked at for a very, very 
long time. And, and our hypothesis for those is that car washes are what self-storage and, and mobile home parks were. You, 10 to 15 years ago, you have very fragmented ownership. You do not have a lot of consolidated uh, consolidation of ownership. You don't really have any viable third-party management solutions in place. And so it creates a lot of opportunity for a group like ours with our operational depth and the size of our team and our reach or our grasp to go in. We built a management company, um, an operational model, and really our goal there is to acquire 75 to 100 locations over the next several years. And the returns on car washes, because the margins are very, very high and the operational costs are relatively low, the returns are excellent. And right now, anywhere from, from double to triple what we're, what we're performing or projecting for multifamily. And so, you know, that's, that's us. That's what we've done. That's what we're doing and going forward. You know, our goal is to, to do this for a long time. We want to be in this space if, if we're blessed with life and health for 30 to 40 years. And, and, our, and, and what we really our goal with our investor partners is that they would be along on that journey with us and we would grow wealth together for the long term. Andrew, several questions here. You formed your company in 2008 with two other partners. Just give us a 2018, little just to clarify. 2018. Yes, Just give us a little background and history on how the team came together, how you found each other, and how it is you formed your partnership. Yeah, you bet. So I'm actually not one of the principals, director of investor uh, relations and kind of investor experience now, as we're calling it. But Dan Hanford, Danny Randazzo, and Len Brandon Abbott are the three principals. I'll give you just a real kind of quick story on how they came together. So Dan Hanford, his background is he was actually a chiropractor, but in his heart and soul, he is a an entrepreneur and business builder. And so very quickly, he stepped away from seeing patients and cracking backs as chiropractors do and hired chiropractors to work in his first clinic that he opened and then hired a medical doctor so they could do expand services to their patients and expand lines of revenue as well. Built a very successful brand an operational model with that first clinic and then took that and expanded it to four clinics throughout the South Carolina market and did that all debt free and ran into the good problem of having to write very big tax checks to the government. And nobody nobody likes to do that, or, or very few people like to do that that I know. And so he started looking for more tax advantage ways to invest his money, and he landed on commercial real estate. And so he and his wife started very strategically investing as limited partners. And as he was doing that, really saw uh, a huge opportunity in the space, both from a strategy perspective, but also just from a kind of an investor experience perspective, as he was sort of uh, having challenges with the sponsors he was investing with in getting good communication and, and understanding their strategy, knowing what was going on with the deals and getting the proper reporting. And so he hired a CDO to run his medical clinic so he could be truly passive there and stepped into full-time active real estate investing, hired a mentor. Uh, just to you know, knew that he wanted to go big and go fast. And so I uh, wanted to avoid a lot of the mistakes and pitfalls that people do. So hired a mentor. And in the course of his mentorship, he was introduced to somebody else that was being mentored by that same gentleman that was Danny Randazzo. And Danny's background is a financial consultant. He worked for Deloitte. They flew him all over the world, consulting for sovereign wealth funds and big multi-billion dollar international businesses on improving their books and their operations. And so Danny had that financial background. Dan had that strategy, scale, marketing, operations background. And then the third piece of the puzzle is Brandon Abbott. And Brandon Abbott and Dan Hanford actually go to church together. Brandon has been in commercial real estate his whole life and both residential and commercial construction as well as commercial insurance adjusting. And so he really had that boots on the ground, operational real estate experience to be able to evaluate assets, manage them, execute a value add strategy, 
etc. And so the three of them formed that partnership in 2018, merged some other capital entities. And that was the inception. It was about just about the three of them for the first year or so. And then as the business started to grow, they brought on more folks, myself included. And now we're up to 40 plus employees. Wow. Phenomenal growth and interesting trajectory there. It's always fascinating to me to delve into the various different real estate investment companies and know how it is they came together and formed those partnerships. And obviously, in the case of, of your company, it's been a dynamic trio there that has really brought you some phenomenal growth in conjunction with that. But you talked about the various different as, asset classes, Andrew, primarily your company started out with multifamily apartments. The market became overheated and overcrowded. And so you began to divest into other asset classes there. Self-storage amongst those hotels and car wash you mentioned. What are the positive things about hotels? What are the major drawbacks? Yeah, great question. So I think just one point of clarification, we have, we have not divested from multifamily. Multifamily still makes up um, 75% plus of our portfolio. We're going to continue to very strongly uh, invest there because the, we, we fully believe that the long-term value proposition for multifamily is very, very, very strong. But by the same token, we're also looking for cash flow as well. And that's where multifamily is a bit constrained right now. And so for hotels specifically, you know, the, the positives to hotels are in terms of just the operational piece of it, right, is with say multifamily, you've got tenants on a one-year lease. And so as rates change uh, or market, market rents change, you can only adjust those every 12 months. Uh, hotels, you can adjust them on a daily basis. And the beautiful thing about that is not only can you adjust them up seasonally, but you can also adjust them down, right, to fill rooms as well. And so you you can utilize, so there's tons of great data and software out there with AI that can adjust your pricing, optimize occupancy and revenue. Of course, utilize those. I think uh, you've got a lot of, specifically right now, you've got a lot of folks, um, operators, owners that, weathered COVID, but but came out a little bit beat up and are ready to sell at what's them is probably a good valuation or a decent valuation to walk away with some profit. For us, we see that as uh, there's a shortage of space, at least in the markets that we're investing in as well. So we're investing in markets with high demand. Our first asset that we're buying is in Hilton Head, South Carolina, which it's almost impossible uh, to do new development in that market. And that's what we look forward to for supply constraints. So we want to be you know, one of the few in a market or in a submarket in a geography. And so those are some of the upsides on, on hotels and hospitality is travel. Travel is back. Uh, people, people are flying and traveling to different destinations. But one of the reasons we chose that particular site and one of the reasons or one of our criteria for hotel selection in the future is that they're actually destinations that are easy to drive to. And so what you saw on Hilton Head versus a lot of like more international luxury type destinations is Hilton Head is the number one destination for people uh, driving on the East Coast. So people come from the Northeast, they come from Florida, they come from the Midwest, driving to help head because of its proximity and, and just what a desirable place it is. So we like those as well. Just if there's another pandemic or, or air travel becomes challenging for one reason or another, we like that kind of flexibility. Um, downside on hotels is I think right now the downside with any service business is the labor component. And I think that's where there's been, there's, there's been challenge 
And then our underwriting, we've underwritten for pretty significant increases in the labor budget so we can ensure that we get great employees, great, you know, dedicated, engaged employees because it's a hospitality business, whether you're staying at a at a Motel 6 or Ritz-Carlton, people, it's, it is an, it's an experience for people in one way or another. And so the importance of having great people that are that are engaged and committed and well-paid, I think is, is, a, is a huge component of that. And that can be, you can look at that as a downside. We look at that as an opportunity. And we're doing the same thing in our car washes while we raise wages. We incentivize people. I want to really make sure that people have, have pride in their work and that we're hiring the, the right types of people with the right dispositions for those customer-facing type roles. So... Um, I think that's the challenge. I think another challenge with hotels is just uh, competition from short-term runners as well. So looking at ways to either you know be more competitive pricing-wise or service-wise, uh, whatever it may be. Yeah, a lot going on in that hospitality market uh, with the Airbnb and uh, which that market to me seems like that has really become crowded. And here in our area, which is a tourist area, there are many Airbnbs that are going with all kinds of vacancies throughout June and July. So I'd say right. the market is tremendously saturated. Mm-hmm. And I've often wondered what that is doing actually to the to the hotel markets. Would like to get into that a little bit more. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Andrew, Enlightened Investors, a delight being with you again today. Thanks for being with us. Until we meet again. Thrive and live abundantly. Thank you so much, Andrew, for being with us today. Thank you, Alan. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at steedtalker.com.